Across the margin. Across the margin. Podcast. Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the online magazine and deeper into the stories. I am your host, Michael Shields, and I have to tell you, it feels damn good to be back behind this microphone. It's been uh, been about a month since our last podcast, our last episode, and, uh, and last time we did convene, we were talking all things Osiris. I kind of took you on a walk to some of the podcasts that are associated with the Osiris Media Company. Uh, as we are. It's, um, it's a community of podcasts we're super uh, proud and thrilled to be a part of. Um, you should go over to OsirisPod.com to see everything they got, they got cooking over there. It's, um, and while you're there, you should definitely sign up for uh, their newsletter, um, just, like, just like ours, just like Across the Margins newsletter. Uh, they don't spam you. Every um, two to three weeks, I believe, just like us, they, they send out an email with um, kind of everything that's going on over there, whether it's the new episodes, uh, you know, any news they might have, uh, you know, any, any live events that they got planned. Just, uh, it's just such a great way to keep up with everything happening over there at Osiris. So that's OsirisPod.com. Get involved. Um, so one of the reasons, the main reason, actually, that... Uh, that it has been a little bit of time in between episodes is uh, we've been real busy over here at Across the Margin. And one of uh, the things that's really taken our focus as of late is, is three books we're working on releasing. And, and uh, they'll, you know, all of them will be released by year's end or just early, um, early 2019. Wow, that sounds kind of odd to say. But uh, one of those books is Ian Johnson's The Bounce and the Echo. Uh, more news on that to come. Uh, the, another is, uh, the follow-up to Seneca Rebel. Um, it's called Seneca Element. Uh, it's by Rhea Deeb. She just finished the first draft on that and, uh, she has stepped the game up big time. It's going to be awesome. And the, uh, the third book we're working on is called Notes on a Poetry Film I Never Made. Uh, that is by John Gosley. And so who is John Gosley? You might be asking, well, that is a question that this episode aims to answer. Um, and, and that's because John is, John is many things. Uh, he's an author, a poet, a musician, uh, he's an editor, and that's just to name a few of his known talents. Uh, I, I honestly, I can't tell you how John and my worlds collided, but when they did, uh, and I got to know him a little bit more. I was absolutely floored at all he was involved in in the literary world. Um, he is, he's an editor in chief at uh, three awesome lit journals and arts and cultures magazines: uh, Fjord's Review, Pink Magazine, and Quiet Lunch. Um, they're all just cutting edge, really, really cool magazines. 
Um, he is one of the publishers and editorial directors at CNR Press, uh, which publishes absolutely fascinating and important books. I'm uh, I'm kind of floored by all the um, all the uh, books they put out. They're just they they're they're diverse in their content and they're all just fascinating. The their group of writers is just such a talented crew. They're awesome. CNR Press that is, um, and he himself, his uh, he has amassed at this point a a nice little catalog of of, of his own. Um, his, his own books that he has written, it's, they're, they're all inventive and, and deeply affected, affecting. And um, it just, it's, I just don't know how, how he's balancing all this. So I've always wondered how he does it and what motivates him, what, what inspires him. And, and there is only one way to find out. And, and so what I have for you today is, uh, it's an interview with John where, where we touch on all these endeavors and, and we find out more about him and, we finally get to the bottom of who is John Gosley. So I think uh, I think you're really gonna enjoy, you know, hearing what John has to say and how he's come from, you know, just uh, a homeschooled kid to uh, to this this uh, literary citizen who's really got his hands in a whole lot of cool stuff. So uh, so let's dig in. Here we go. This is my interview with John Gosley. Again for coming, man. Really Absolutely, my pleasure. Really, really appreciate you coming through, and uh, uh, that CNR reading was awesome the other night. That was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad that you could make it. Yeah, there was uh, uh they were everyone was great. But who's who was Brian um, Luang? Brian Leung. Leung. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, his what? work is hilarious, smart. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's a lot so of well it was clever. It could be it was Ivy vs. Dog. Is that mm-hmm. the one that he did? That's yeah. so cool. And it's such a good showcase for everyone. Even uh, the woman in the literary landscape. That's something CNR Press put out as well. That was that was fascinating. Kind of a walk of a uh, walk through. You know, everything women have been involved in 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 in. And literature throughout the years. That was so fascinating. So, um, you are involved in the literary world in so many ways, and uh, a little bit, yeah. And uh, I'd love to, you know, touch on a bunch of those aspects here today. But um, I'd also like to learn more about you too, and just how this all came to be and everything. So, where are you from, John? Where, where, where? So, I was born in Mississippi. Okay, and we lived in Pontotoc. Uh, my father was a minister um, with a mixed congregation. Mm-hmm. Later, Oh, he was we, a minister, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And later we moved to Indiana where he was a hospital chaplain. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Tennessee where he was the army chaplain for the 101st Airborne. Oh, wow. Then we moved to Germany, and then we moved to Nashville where I spent all of my teenage years. Okay, so that was high school and everything. So I guess him taking his ministry into the army kind of had you on the move a bunch. Was that something you enjoyed? I'm thankful for the perspective sure. that that gave me. It was very hard um, to move so much, yeah. Because every time you start to create a relationship or it's feel settled from you, yeah, yeah. And I had a similar thing, and I just moved once. It was like the early part of high school, and uh, it was funny. You know, everyone by the time I got down there, I moved from Connecticut to Virginia. Everyone was very established. And I was an outsider for like four months. I was, you know, I, I know what it feels like to eat alone and the cafeteria and stuff. And you're doing that a whole bunch. That's kind of wild. Yeah. And to compound that, I was also homeschooled. Okay. Um, until my 
early teenage years and I told my parents I want to go to school. Yeah. And they were like, no. And I was like, absolutely, I'm yeah, going to school. I need to go to school. How, and, who was it, your mother teaching you? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And was she giving you, I mean, any sort of arts background at all? It's, it's... In my very first bedroom, I had a painting easel. Okay, cool. There was always a very heavy emphasis in my household on intellectualism and mm-hmm. spirituality. Oh, fantastic. That's great. And it's a weird sort of dichotomy to, you know, have a father who is, you know, Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. but, you know, not hypocritical. Yeah. And actually understood the world and the magnificent things that have been created in the same way with oh, my amazing. mother. Yeah, that's cool. So there was an appreciation in your household. Have uh, have you always had the knack to be a writer, to be a storyteller? How did that seep into your world? I think so. Yeah. In in some ways, yeah. and then in other ways, it's something that I chose to develop. Sure. You know, one morning when I was fourteen, mm-hmm. I sat up in bed and I was like, "You have to do something with mm-hmm. your life." Yeah. And I, by the end of that day. I decided that I was going to be a musician mm-hmm. and a visual artist mm-hmm. and a writer. Oh, wow. Do you, so you have a music background as well? You play music? I don't play music anymore. Yeah. I can play music. Sure. But I think that in terms of what I like the most is, is writing and doing visual art. Yeah. 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 Um, I've noticed in a couple of your works that, and I think you just alluded to it, that uh, in a lot of ways, poetry saved your life. You know, I, I think uh, my poems give me strength, their precision, the wisdom that I stumble into makes even the hardest days or weeks more bearable because I know I'll have something once the smoke lifts. I, 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 I love this idea. I think of it often just the, not just the cathartic nature, but the, you know, the purpose it can give and everything like that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, it's because I know I just, I've seen it in multiple uh, releases of yours, this idea. Yeah, so I think that when a person finds something that gives them strength, that mm-hmm. they should develop that. Yeah. And for me, it's always been easy and a conscious decision to be able to write at any time. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I primarily chose writing over music and the visual arts is because wherever I was going, I could always write. Absolutely. And like I understood that very early. Yeah. You know, um, you can always carry a piece of paper with mm-hmm. you or now our phones. Yep. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it does. It's, it's, it is an accessible art form and it really, it's a way to get, um, get a lot off your chest to say the least. And I love the idea of, it, uh, of, you know, when you are in the hard times, the, the, just keep mindful that, like, it, I mean, as an artist, it's, it's, you can use this. The, the, what, what you're gaining through that experience, as tough as it may be, is, is, um, is, is <laughs> for lack of a better word at the moment, material. So, which is cool. Which is really cool. So, um, I, I just, you know, kind of jumped from you at 14 deciding to be an artist to, uh, to your vast professional career. When, when would you say <laughs> you're, uh, you know, kind of literary, um, professional career, uh, began. So I started submitting work to magazines Mm -hmm. when I was late 17. Okay. And I actually didn't know that people went to school to learn about writing. Yeah. I actually thought, and I had always thought, which was a huge, like, 
gap in my vision that you just read everybody's work. Mm-hmm. You decided what you wanted to write, and you tried to write that well, and you sent your work out to magazines and publishers. Yeah. So you, see, you, that's, you assume that's that's what everyone's doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what funny. I thought everybody had always been doing. Uh-huh. Yep. You know and, how it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it actually wasn't until my um, late twenties. When I went to finish my undergrad, that I learned that you could take an entire major in contemporary poetry or yeah. contemporary literature. Yeah. But I had been studying the small magazine world a long time, and I saw the correlation um, between really being able to hone your craft mm-hmm. and contribute to the community by having your own magazine. Yep. And so throughout the years, I'd made some offers to places to buy their magazines mm-hmm. when they said that they were closing mm-hmm. or something like that because it's always easier to uh, reformat a brand yep. than it is to establish to one. To actually get it off the ground, yeah. And they were always like, no, actually, we're just going to keep it. And then they would go ahead and mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, people don't really know what they're doing. I know what they're doing, <laughs> yeah. and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's been proven time and again, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I wish that they hadn't closed, but I also wish that they hadn't, um, you know, let their creation die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that so many people have been a part of and um, had gotten so great. And we've even seen that recently with uh, Public Pool, Mm -hmm. which had Mm -hmm. such a great catalog of so many authors who who have been involved in our community. Um, The Newer York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. The one recently, Word Riot. Mm -hmm. Word Riot closed. Yeah. And, you know, I just I, don't understand establishing all of that and at least absolutely. not keeping your website I mean, up. I think, uh, yeah, that's what I was just going to say, at minimum, keeping it going. I mean, as an editor, I feel a responsibility to everybody I've published that, to keep their work alive as long as I can. And uh, I take that pretty seriously. So he's right. It's a shame. You've got to find a way to kind of keep it going for them. So. Yeah, and also not to leave your online catalog up. And just say we're closed. We're going to keep this catalog up in perpetuity, so okay. that everybody whose work has been posted mm-hmm. is also a real disservice to the community. It's yeah. absolutely unfair to rob all of those authors of that equity. And it, it I agree. And it disgusts me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if I see those people around, I'm going to talk to them. Yeah. I really yeah. want to understand I, why. I was just going to ask did the reason. So many people. The reasoning behind. I mean, you know, it's 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 tough to assume that. You know, maybe there's more to it, but uh, I understand that frustration big time. So I think we have this in a little bit in common in that, you know, I was submitting a lot of my work to places. And then after a while, I keep going from you know, all these different websites and everything. Uh, and I, it's, in some ways, I wasn't that impressed with some of the websites. And and um, I was just, and, and there was kind of what compelled me to start across the margin. I was like, well, look, if I, I can make something that I, I think will aesthetic, aesthetically look better, uh, always have a place for my work. Um, right. And it just, that was one of the reasons. So what was one of your first uh, lip mags that you established? So would that be Fjords? Fjords Review. Fjords. That's yeah. Fjords so Fjords. I started Fjords Review in late 2010. I decided yep. not to go home for Christmas break. Okay. And I stayed in the school's new p- newspaper office yeah. where I, um, you know, had keys to, and I was like the staff cartoonist, mm-hmm. um, which I got a scholarship for. Oh, cool. Um, and... I was like, I'm going to do this now. Mm-hmm. And so I coded a very simple website, and I knew where to put it. I knew all the language to use, and launched Fjords. And then yeah. we came out with our first issue in 2011, yeah. um, 
which is also when my first book, 12 Sonnets for the Zodiac, came out. Okay, that was your first book? Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're juggling. You get, you get the first lip, your lip mags up and running. You mm-hmm. get your first book. It really, uh, um, it's funny. I see uh, for Fjord's uh, review, you know, when people send you their bio trying to kind of sell you their work and everything, it's one of the first people put down. It's, it's, it's done well. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that first book about? I'm, I'm actually not familiar with that. 12 either. Sonnets for Zodiac is 12 Sonnets okay. on the 12 Sonnets of Zodiac. Okay. And the publisher uh, published it in French, Spanish, and English in one volume. Oh, wow. Yeah. All, all right there. Right. Wow. And I got some really good play off of that, mm-hmm. um, but also because I'd already started the magazine, and so writers have been sending me their work. Okay. What's funny is some of the writers that I originally published in there brought me to their university, totally unwarranted okay. for them to bring me to the university yes. on a book of 12 poems in English, yes. right? Um, you know, those are authors that I publish their books now. Yeah, awesome. And uh, it's very nice to, kind to of be able to full, do that. To come full circle yeah. on that. But I'm actually in the process right now of pulling that book from the publisher. Are you? Yeah, because I want to do a second edition that's totally illustrated and need to revamp it and maybe do a little bit of editing um, on some of the work. And um, So that's one of your... So I'm going to be glad to have that back at the end of the year. That's so cool. Um, I like that story of you just sitting there at Christmas break, (laughs) kind of scheming and plotting and and, and pulling this out. It's, It's beautiful. It's still... I'm looking at the... 2018 book right here it's just it's awesome really cool stuff um you mentioned how uh you know lit mags were going under um i know you had a special relationship with pink magazine and uh i believe from 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 my investigative uh looking into it a little bit i guess you you've been reading them for a while mm-hmm. um and then uh, I think you were submitted to submitting to them, and then I, I think at AWP then one year and about five hundred other. Magazines. Yeah, of course, it's spreading <laughs> right? around. It's, <laughs> it's really quite a journey putting your work out there in the world. But um, and then you did uh, some ad swaps with them, so you really you were you were happy. You loved their work, and then like I was just saying, you kind of serendipitously. Uh, kind of got to know them at AWP one year when your tables were next to each other, and then they were going to fold, and you weren't having it, and so you helped keep Pank alive. What is it, what's so special about Pank to you, and, and why you want to be involved and, and keep that going? It's one of the most interesting magazines that is on the literary scene. Yeah. And I wanted to see that vision continue. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something unique. It's not something I would have... I think been able to create myself. Okay, wow. And they weren't going to fold. Okay, I misunderstood that. um, You know, one of the founding editors' career in writing has just blown up so hugely. She she wanted to step out of that too. Okay, who is that? Uh, Roxanne Gay. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, to be able to do and focus on that, Mm -hmm. you know, more full time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to see it thrive, uh, you know, as it was. Cool. Yeah, and it was. It was great. A lot of people were really happy that it was continuing. And uh, yeah. I think one place said the uh, worst thing that happened in literature in 2015 was that I bought Pank. <laughs> Why? What, what can you elaborate on that some? Yeah, so <clears throat> before that opportunity um, came up and I talked with uh, Roxanne and uh, Matt about that, mm-hmm. the two editors of yep. Pank. You know, I'd done this whole redaction series over the course of a year, yeah. um, which was a huge like online effort where you know I redacted 
um, 330-something poems of my contemporary... Contemporary poets, yeah. Poets who... So that's from Out of Context yeah. is what it's called, yeah. Yeah, and some people were very upset. That was something, once we got into it, I was going to ask how some of these contemporary poets took to you uh, redacting. For those who don't know what it is, it's kind of a... It's, um, how would you describe redacting, just as, as someone who, who made it such an art form out of it? It's the same way that a government document is redacted. Mm-hmm. Like, you choose what is shown, mm-hmm. and you obscure the rest. Yeah. And you're doing it in such a pointed way. Um, but I could see how people who put a lot of, uh, you know, thought into exact, you know, to their, to the word smithing, uh, could, could take that rough. So, so was that a... Was that a weird time for you? When, when, when there was backlash, is what you're saying. There was a lot of acceptance and a lot oh, of yeah. encouragement. Yeah, I read some great, and, great reviews. That and, really, and yeah. a lot of, and there was a lot of backlash yeah. just when this was an online project before the book actually came yeah. out, which was about two years later. Oh, okay, so and, it did start. I did not yeah. know it's um, so people origins. like Jericho Brown, D. A. Powell, a number of other people would retweet their work. Would retweet the work that was tagged of them. I think they understood like the bridging nature of the project. Sure. Yeah, and it could then, shine a light on what they were doing originally, and then you can have, kind of have a comparison. It could could help, uh, you know, kind of, of, of awareness of their poetry as well, but others. But some other people said, you don't have any right to do this, mm. and you're appropriating things. And mm. some people said, were like, is he breaking the law? Mm. I wish. Yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. And I very thoroughly researched everything, and I, I knew exactly what I was doing down sure. to the T, and I wanted to do this project because I felt emotionally obscured mm. in my own work by all these writers who uh, were so much more successful than me. Yeah. And I think in poetry, they still are. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure that people necessarily think of me as a poet or an artist or that they really think of me at all. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I, I definitely understand that that type of thinking. So, um, just to kind of finish up on on uh, publications um, that you're kind of editor in chief at, or really ha- at the helm, uh, Quiet Lunch is something you've jumped into recently. Uh, um, an online kind of arts and culture, I guess I could describe it as. Uh, it's, 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 what did they say? It's a daily dose of creative sustenance. Really, mm-hmm. really cool. A lot of music lately, too, it's, which is kind of reflective of, of something we do at Across the Margin, where we have a pop culture and, and such kind of infiltrates the, the literary world. But uh, you mind telling us a little bit about Quiet Lunch? I'm a big fan. <laughs> big fan of it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great magazine. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, when I was in New York... I met the publisher at the Standard East Village. Yep. Uh, because uh, the publisher of Quiet Lunch, Gregory de la Haba. Yeah, he's talented. Um, who also owns McSorley's. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to hang out there. Oh, does he? He owns McSorley's? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I was like sitting there with a private art buying client that I had at the time, which also was the reason that I was able to purchase Pink. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had a ridiculously otherworldly deal um, contract with this person that oh, still doesn't make any sense. It's like one of those blessings from the <laughs> How universe. did this happen? Yeah. Right? And he came over and started talking to me, and I didn't know if he was a wild, crazy man or somebody who just really knew what he was doing and was very gregarious. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's sort of got that polarizing charm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
And so, mysterious in a way. But I believe in exploring everything. Yeah. You know? And so <clears throat> we sat down and had lunch the next day. And then he introduced me to um, the two founders of Quiet Lunch uh, later that week, uh, mm-hmm. Bim Afal Lobby and Akeem Duncan. Mm-hmm. And um, then I started working with them, talking with them about stuff. We just all had like a really good, you know, vibe. And then they asked me to start curating the literary section mm-hmm. and the print. So I started doing that. And uh, then late last year, October, November, you know, they said, we want to bring you in as an owner mm-hmm. of this with us, and then you, oh, run, wow. you run the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. How's it been since then? Um, let's see. So I officially took over in January, mm-hmm. and we have grown our online engagement by 1,200%. Oh, my goodness. It's um, <laughs> quite a number. It is, it's yeah. been quite a number. Yeah. You know, we were at something like 8 million something mm-hmm. on... In our Alexa rankings, yep. and now we're like under a million. Fantastic. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and well, it's awesome. I completely, completely get why uh, it's blowing up. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's relevant. There's, uh, there's so much fun content all the time. I honestly, you know, from coming from a place where I'm producing content all the time, I don't know how you fucking do it. I don't do it. Yeah. yeah. I let there's people this, do good the things that they saying. want to do. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons, too, why I've been able to um, be successful, mm-hmm. actually make a living working in independent literature yeah. in the 21st century Absolutely. is because I let people do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And when they want to do something that's like just outside of their toolbox, yeah. I enable them with the tools to be able to do that. Fantastic. And then I Set say, go up. do your up, thing do you. in the world and let's do this because we're all here together, yeah. you know. Making I love, I love that attitude. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Good good for you, man. We need more like you. Um, let's run through. Where do you live now? You're in North Carolina, right? So I live in Winston-Salem, okay. North Carolina. Do you like it down there? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a few hours to get really anywhere on yeah. the East Coast, Absolutely. and I love the East Coast. Yep. Yeah. And I travel about both. six months out of the year. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where to? What's, uh, just wherever? You know, I usually end up going to Miami once or twice a year. I'm always back and forth between where I live and the city. Yeah, I could I could see how people could almost assume you are living up here at times. Most people think that I do live yeah. here, yeah. and I am very happy to let them think. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, go ahead. No, we're not going to change uh, change that thought process. Yeah, that's cool. That's so you get around, and it must be um, you know you get the big city experience and and and. The lifestyle that comes with with all that, but um, you also get away as well. So let's walk through some of your books a little bit. I, I you mentioned what was your first one again? Twelve Sonnets for the Zodiac. Okay, so did, was that followed by Fish Boy? That was actually that was followed earlier. by Blitzkrieg. Okay, Blitzkrieg. That's um, uh, on the front. It says within two weeks, I designed and ordered two hundred stickers, created a false aden- identity, and implemented the plan. What's Blitzkrieg all about? So Blitzkrieg is borrows from the sort of graffiti art world, mm-hmm. uh, the tagging world, mm-hmm. and so it was actually two thousand oh, cool. stickers. Okay. Oh, it was I yeah. Apologize. So I had yeah. this whole holistic project where I got all of these people um, around the country to take these stickers, put them wherever they want, take a picture or a few pictures, and send it back to me. Oh, cool. 
right? Awesome. So I had the picture Love that, that I got that. Yeah. They're cooperating. Just like, we're just like doing something. Yep. Never met these people, just took it on ads on Craigslist. Yeah. Sometimes I would talk to these people on the phone. Sometimes they're like, no, just send me the stuff. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I think my favorite one. Um, I love it. It's like gorilla literature or something. Like it's really, that's really cool. Yeah. What's your favorite picture? Um, the one on page 47, uh-huh. Canyon country, California urinal with urine in it. <laughs> and then they put the sticker here, like right in the back yeah. of the, on the urinal. Back. Uh-huh. It's, it's that's great. awesome. Yeah. And also, you know, there's date time stamps and all of these, all, yeah. um, you know, that's one of cool. them was like put into, um, the art museum in Arizona mm-hmm. and, you know, what a cool way to kind of, uh, involve, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if fans is the right word, but just people who appreciate the art and the project. That's really, it's, it's, uh, it's collaborative in a fun way. Right. Yeah. And so that was like one side of it. And the other side of it was I took, um, 50 Pellegrino bottles and yeah. stripped them all and then printed the poem 50 times on vellum paper, signed it, corked, wax sealed the bottles uh-huh. with this like one foot long, um, orange grass green awesome. ribbon and then literally threw them on in the Atlantic Ocean uh-huh. and the Pacific Ocean in waterways all throughout the United States. Any response? The Mississippi River. Yeah. What came back? People just find me on Facebook yeah. and be like, hey, I've got this. Do you want it back? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want That's, that piece of crap. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's where, where some location, unique locations and like, I mean, did they make their way around the world in any way? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, That's cool, though. I have 500 bottles now. Mm-hmm. And what I plan to do over this summer to sort of like um, just extend this project a little bit more is I'm going to do 500 bottles. Awesome. And then I want to charter a boat and I want to actually take it out into um, up of Miami into the waterways that do end up going around the world. Nice. And uh, just, just help pollute our earth a little yeah, bit more exactly. some poetry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, people are doing much, much worse, and that's that's for for a good creative uh, poem cause. in a bottle. I like how you, um, you know, when you create your works, and I could tell from your first release, and how you're looking to do another one that's that um, that builds off that, and just what you're talking about, still working with the Blitzkrieg project. It's uh, it shows that there's still like kind of like living entities that really resonate with you and what you're doing. It's not like you just create the work and kind of move on to the next. It's, I think that's a fun way to look at, uh, your catalog, so to speak, as a breathing, living thing that, 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 that can still grow. Yeah. Which is cool. Absolutely. And early on in my teenage years, I think that I was sort of frustrated with myself that, I was all of these things. Yeah. Like, why can't I just be one thing? Yeah, yeah. Why can't <laughs> I just commit to being one thing like everybody else for so like the most part Be a part specialist does. in some way, yeah. And it's just not in me. Yeah. You know, I like doing different things. Mm-hmm. I think there's a joy in that. I, um, I don't know. I, it almost seems like a simpler way if you were to find one thing and do it. But I just think I would get, I personally would get bored with just one thing in life. It's, it's, it, it wouldn't suit me either. I want to talk about Fishboy, though. This one, uh, I, was, I was telling you when you, uh, when you came over, first and foremost, that I've spent a lot of, <laughs> a lot of time the last couple of days in prep for this with your poetry, and uh, Fishboy really got me. Um, it felt more personal to me than some of your other works. I, I noticed it was dedicated uh, to your father. Um, it was, I almost found myself welling up by the time I got to... Uh, 
what was it? My father defies gravity. Uh, it's about three fourths of the way through, and that was. Uh, can you just tell us, uh, you know, our listeners out here and me? I'd like to know more about your um, the inspiration behind it and more about Fishboy. So this is, you know, primarily poems about my father and I. Yeah. And you know, on the back of the book, it says a father's compassion, a son's attempted suicide, and an effort to reconcile. The mystery of being through spirituality and the body mm-hmm. intersect in this book. And the reason why it probably felt more personal is because I'm just a much better writer than I was in 2013 when Blitzkrieg came out. Okay. Okay, know? yeah. Um, and also, I think that I finally become comfortable yeah. telling my story mm-hmm. and being vulnerable and just understanding this is what happened in my life yeah and owning that and pulling the best things that I can out of Definitely. that I guess there's a perspective in age with, with everything that happened yeah uh, it's affecting it's really I, I if you know I'd, I'd recommend a uh, whole bunch of what John does but um, uh, Fishboy is an excellent place to start and um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be pushing that out there in the world so out of context was another one uh, what, what am I missing? Anything else for book releases? Just, uh, Just analog, kind of analog. Yeah, that one? which came out um, last year. Okay, what's yeah. that about? Analog is just another chapbook of poems. Okay, great. Um, from Unicorn Press in mm-hmm. um, Greensboro, North Carolina, and Fishboy was published by Nomadic Press, um, who's in Oakland, and then here in Brooklyn. Oh, cool! Awesome. Well, it's a it's a great great catalog of. Uh, work you have so we we talked about you know some of our uh, uh, the the sites and, and magazines you run and, and a bunch of your books well let's talk about moving forward a little bit there's a project that I'm entirely fascinated with um, that I know you're excited about I, I, when I've seen you I've talked to, to and I'm talking about 50 contemporary woman uh, artist which you're the, the editor of this this book coming out um, it's to be released this year, right? October 28th. Okay. Wow. Great. Pending an act of God. Yes, exactly. What is it, what is it about? I know you're pumped about this one. Let us, let us know. Yeah, so four years ago, mm-hmm. after Heather Zisis, who's my associate editor mm-hmm. on 50 Contemporary Women Artists, and I put together an edition of Fjords that was dedicated and fully populated by women's artwork and writing. Okay. And after we came out with that, I was like, is there a compendium? Is there a book that is only about contemporary women artists? Yeah. There's a lot of books out there that are kind of historical. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of books out there that sort of cover some of that, um, but oftentimes all of those uh, artists are not living. Yeah. And I have a big thing about doing things with living people. Celebrate those who are here right now. Right. Yeah, I like that as a mission. Um, and so I said, how is this book not out in the world? Mm-hmm. So I said, let's do some research. Let's find some publishers and mm-hmm. let's send some pitches. And um, Schiffer Group picked it up. Yep. Um, they're in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and they publish about 200 plus like full size full color books each year oh, cool. and then we started the process after they accepted it and uh, it took three years to really get this yeah. done we, I was we literally looked at the, thousands yeah. of artists amazing yeah oh, you, you really so how did you whittle down to 50 just obviously just going through all the work we looked for people 
who had done work that had really affected our culture or that were practicing okay. a kind of singularity in their art. Um, there's a lot of oh, artists in there who yeah. are originators. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, Elizabeth Turk, who's a MacArthur Fellow, and she has a very specific way that she does like these organic sculptures. Mm-hmm. And her work is absolutely amazing. So I had to, you know... yeah. Of course, of course ask she was them, going to be involved. Ask her to, uh, to be in the book, and mm-hmm. I was very glad that she accepted. Amazing. Yeah, I, I spoke to someone at the uh, CNR press party the other night who was involved in the book, and she was telling me it's been, yeah, three years in the making. She almost couldn't believe it's finally kind of coming to fruition. So that's exciting. October. Fantastic. Yeah. Really, yeah. So I'll be spreading the word on that. And um, you and I, my friend, are... Uh, have a little project in the works as well and that's kind of you know this conversation is kind of culminating on this but uh so we have we have a book that we've been working on and and we're still in the beginning phases but we're starting to kind of really see what it's what um you know that it's coming to it's really turning into something and we believe it's gonna be something really special so can you tell us a little bit about uh notes on a poetry book so notes on a poetry film film that i have Yet made? Never made. Never made. Okay. Notes on a poetry film I never made is a book around all of the study of creating a short film, mm-hmm. being very far along in the process, and then deciding that this is not the right time to, to finish making this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, taking that sort of like failure and just turning it into another sort piece of like of art. another piece of art, yeah. uh, sort of like a how to book. Um, you know, Something that, or how to not in some or ways. how to not yeah absolutely right? that's I was, I was <laughs> kind of a learn from your mistake type things and also I felt as I'm going through everything and it's fun because it's like we're taking something that was a shot actually footage and, and, and sound clips and we're putting it on paper and seeing seeing you know kind of looking at it in a different way than it was originally first looked at uh, and there's a lot of value in that a lot of fun fun to be had with it which is really cool what are your other thoughts on 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 how uh, how and why you wanted to bring this one to life? Because I thought that it was interesting, yeah. and I don't know of any book that's out there like that. Yep. I'm just trying to always do like original New. things. Totally. Like nobody has ever written twelve poems on the twelve signs of the zodiac either. Mm-hmm. Tons of people have written like three or four. Yep. Even the Renaissance poets, mm-hmm. or the Enlightenment poets, not one for every single sign. Yeah. But why? Yeah. How? How is this just waiting mm-hmm. for yeah, me to do this? Absolutely. I mean, and, and you could say the same thing with 50 contemporary women artists thing. It's, it's it's almost with so many artists, so many writers, so many people creating out there and, and throughout, you know, if, if, when speaking of the Sonics you're just talking about, it's it's kind of, it's such a cool feeling when you do come upon something that, that you know, has never been done. And I love that you seek that out and you're always just trying new things and, this, uh, this, I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled to work with an artist just as yourself on this, on this book, but I mean, one of the reasons is it's, it, I love the avant-garde nature of it. I love how different it feels and, and, um, you know, a lot of the writing that we've already been working on together and, and, and the transcripts we've just, uh, you know, transcribed from the film, there's a lot of insight and really cool, uh, things to ponder within the whole thing. So it's, it's, it's really, really a cool piece of work. 
Well, a piece of work is what it is. (laughs) You know, I just want to really keep trying to push the creative envelope on what a book is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that somebody out there has written 12 poems on the 12 Sons Zodiac, but I just can't find it anywhere. And I've never been able to. And, you know, since three years ago, now we have 50 Contemporary Women Artists coming out this October, which I'm just so thrilled about. There have been some similar books, like 50 Contemporary Women Artists, that have come out. Um, recently, but they aren't doing the same thing that, that we're doing. Yeah. We have gone to great lengths to pick just the best artists that we could find in the world Mm -hmm. and be very diverse about that and present the artwork rather than, um, you know, sort of like the person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Good, yeah. I love when the art is able to kind of, you know, represent. It's 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 going to be a beautiful book in that way. Yeah, and um, Elizabeth Sackler, um, who we sat down with last year, wrote the Ford, and you know she's the um, person who funded Judy Chicago's dinner party mm-hmm. and the that wing in the Brooklyn Museum mm-hmm. where it is, and she has been a huge supporter of um, women's arts and women's movements forever. And it is still astounding to me that she understood the vision that we had for this book and and really putting this out there in the world and was gracious enough um, to participate in this process with us. I bet she was ecstatic. You know, this is, this is something that really shines a light on, on, on the contemporary women artists out there who are changing the game. And maybe don't get enough credit. Uh, hey, why did you? Um, why was uh, your journal called Fjords? Fjords. Fjords was called Fjords because the designer for the original edition kept pushing me after he'd already designed the interior and saying we need to pick a name. Mm-hmm. And I'd really been <laughs> racking my brain about it for weeks. Uh-huh. I was like, it has to have something that has a ring or whatever, and then. Just one night, I heard like a little whisper inside myself, I just go, fjords, fjords. And I was like, this is reminiscent of some of the problems I had when I was a childhood, or maybe yeah. the spirits were talking to me then, I just yeah. didn't know how to handle it. Uh-huh. And um, I thought, no, that's the name of it, Fjords. That's it. That's it. Divine inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um in one of, uh, I can't remember exactly which book, um, I think I've seen it multiple places, you mentioned your co- uh, complicated relationship with literature, and to kind of sum up everything we're doing here, what um, it, it, what is that complicated uh, relationship you have with literature? What uh, what is John Gosley in literature? Are they at, they at end sometimes, or are they, uh, what is this complicated relationship you speak of? Are they at what sometimes? Are they at, you know, kind of button heads sometimes? Or? I just think that words are absolutely insufficient mm. to be able to express the truths that we know, and it's the closest way that we can come to communicating them. Yeah. So if we look at, you know, language history in, in Greek, there's, you know, over 30 tenses, mm-hmm. and we have... I think it's like eight to ten. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, how limited mm-hmm. we are in just being able to express certain things. Yep. You know. Yeah. 
we need yeah, yeah no you could say they we we do we need more words and 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 not less i feel like i feel like often people are trying to simplify too much it's a reason uh across the margin is you know excited to kind of still be pushing out some long form work you know i think so many people are trying to pare things down instead of uh I like to believe that people are still, they don't just need the sound bites, the sound clips. They need more, not less. And there's a lot of you know, engaged and smart readers out there. And, and, um, and I think what you're doing through all your different things is, is, is giving those smart, informed readers uh, a whole lot to chew on, a whole lot to experience, which is really, really awesome. So. Yeah, I think there needs to be work for posterity, and I think there needs to be work for entertainment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Both, both, both have such value. I could not agree more. Um, so, thank you, first off, for coming in. I really, I, I love this little jaunt through through your work and everything like that. And I'm, uh, and I'm thrilled. And I, I know I'm going to have you back in when we get closer to culminating our work on notes on a poetry film I never made. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm thrilled to be working with you. Thank you. And um, Thank you. So next time you're back, let's, uh, let's really just dig into that one. When, when we release it, let's get you back in, on the mic and back in here and, and, and really explain what we're doing here. I, I, I didn't want to give up too much of what's going on with that. But, you know, but when the time comes, we'll dive into it. So thank you again for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Excellent. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com. Across the margin. Across the margin. Podcast.